Alright everybody, so I've had a lot of people reach out to me, giving me a lot of support for signing the People in Tech podcast, and I want to really first say thank you for supporting me, but this Anchor platform has been amazing and been changing my life, getting me connected with some people in this industry that I never thought I would actually get to not only have conversations with, but learn from. And I know some of you who are tuning in are asking, Caleb, how'd you start a podcast? You know, when I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the other places people listen to? How do I make money from my podcast? Well, keep it simple. The answer to every one of these questions is Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free. And we Ridiculously easy to use. My very first episode I did for my iPhone 6 Plus. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors too. So you can get paid to do your own podcast. Hop on the Anchor platform so we can collaborate and build this community up. You know, one thing I love most about Anchor is that they're constantly being innovative, you know, allowing podcasts to leverage music, get sponsorship, get paid, and ultimately, be the best content creator you can be. So if you've always wanted to start your podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and a diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. Again, that's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. What's in it for recruiters? Why are they contacting you about a job? That's what we're going to be talking about today. Have you ever felt? Are you listening? You're listening to the People in Tech podcast, a technology show that's made for the people. Join the conversation with your host, Caleb King. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the show. And today, we have another amazing episode in store for you today. I got my good friend, Jamie, on the podcast to talk about IT recruitment. Now, I've been a developer for several years, and I've actually landed most of my jobs going through an IT recruiter. But I was always curious, what's in it for them? Nothing's free in this world. So I'm looking at it like, why are you helping me land this job? Are you getting paid? Is the company getting paid? Why do companies even go through IT recruiters? Well, I had to reach out to Jamie, who's actually helped me land some of my better jobs, and I just wanted to bring her on the podcast and ask her these straightforward questions I know some of you are curious about. And at the end of this episode, hopefully you walk away knowing you should be leveraging an IT recruiter to help you land your next tech job. It's going to be a great episode today, guys. One you don't want to miss. Let's get into it.
Thank you, DJ Side Hustle. Guys, we have a big announcement before we start today's interview. And actually, because of the topic we're covering today, it's only necessary, it's only appropriate to bring up our very first affiliate for the podcast. That is right, Day One listeners. We have our first affiliate, and I'm talking about Resume.io. So for those of you who aren't aware, I've talked about Resume.io in the past, but ultimately, it's a software as a service where you no longer have to worry about formatting your resume. You upload the content and they have pre-made templates. Not only do they give you like a phenomenal design when it comes to your resume, but they put it all on one page. They style it the way you want. All you have to do is add the content. So if you look at the show notes below, there is my affiliate link. Click on that, sign up. And if you're looking to either switch from your current job or you just want to keep your resume up to date resume.io makes the process very simple make sure to check out the show notes below but yeah guys very first affiliate they have actually were courteous enough to partner with the people in tech podcast that way we can give the day one listeners some value moving forward but enough of me talking let's get into the interview What's up, Jamie? Thank you for being on the People in Tech podcast. We are excited for today's episode. And before we start the interview, do you have anything to say to the day one listeners? Uh, nothing that I can think of, but thanks for tuning in. Awesome. Well, I like it keeping, you know, keep it short and concise. I really appreciate that. Okay. <laughs> so let's just jump into it. So, Jamie, we have a list of questions for you to go over. We're just going to go one at a time and then have more of a conversation, not less of a Q&A. So I'll start off with the first question. How did you get into tech? So it's kind of funny. Um, As far as me getting into technology goes, I kind of just fell into it. Um, I don't really know many people that uh, grow up saying, hey, I want to become a recruiter and start placing people in jobs. (laughs) So it's kind of an interesting uh, career path to actually find. Um, So I just graduated from college close to 10 years ago and ended up getting recruited um, to a recruiting agency and really just they were staffing for IT positions and I was like this sounds cool let me try this out and so um, started getting into it and got trained as a recruiter and shifted into uh, doing a little bit more on that account management side and you know ended up out in Phoenix probably about two years later and I've been in Phoenix ever since just kind of uh, really <laughs> developing um, my network within the market out here. So it's just, like I said, something you kind of just fall into. It's not really necessarily a career path, but it turned out to be uh, something that's pretty, that's been definitely an awesome uh, experience for me and I'm loving it. That's great to hear. So that leads into my next question for you, Jamie. Now Mm -hmm. I know me being an IT person, some of us think of recruiters as a person that helped you get a job, but you know, for our listeners, can you explain what a recruiter does? Like what is the job details involved? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, a lot of people do kind of just look at it as a transactional um, individual that you'd be working with, right? So people think that, hey, you have a job, I'm an IT, you can find me a job for this, and, and, you know, it'll be good to go, and and that's really the end of it. There's actually a lot more that's to it. Um, When you're working with a recruiter, you're really working with their network. So a lot of the folks that you're going to encounter are because the recruiters and account managers have really built up their personal network. Um, I can't emphasize that a lot, uh, or enough rather, um, just because when 
when you do have a position, when you do have a need, it's important to work with people that you trust. Um, so you immediately go to your network um, to not only identify um, opportunities for candidates, but also um, to identify, you know, candidates for different opportunities that you have. So, um, you know, basically what a recruiter does is, is they identify the best match for somebody. It really is a matchmaking um, position. You really want to make sure that you're finding a good home uh, for the individual. It's about building your resume. It's about uh, giving you advice and tips on your resume and your background and how to interview. So it's a lot less transactional and it's a lot more investment from the recruiter. Um, and, and, and I want people to start looking at it as an investment also on their side. There's a lot as a candidate that you can learn from your recruiter. Um, and it's all a free resource for you. Um, so utilizing a recruiter to ask them about what market trends are, um, you know, what are you seeing in the Valley right now for, you know, a .NET full stack developer, you know, what types of companies are hiring. They're a wealth of information just because this is what they do. They're experts at this. Um, so it's really definitely so much more than just finding somebody a job. It's, it's the whole package of walking them through interviewing, walking them through opportunities, closing them, making sure that they're getting the best um, getting the best uh, fit for their skill set, and then also, you know, checking in with them and making sure that they're happy in their position. Um, so definitely a lot more than just that transactional side. Okay, that was a phenomenal answer. And you actually led into a few different things I want to touch upon. Now, you mentioned the matchmaking aspect of recruitment and mm -hmm. being in IT. How was somebody like myself, because you mentioned resumes, like, where do we, like, do you just hack into my computer and get my resume? Like how, <laughs> how did the matchmaking process start? So matchmaking process, it, there's a lot of different opportunities or there's a lot of different avenues rather. Um, so we do a lot of Boolean search strings. So for those of you that don't know, it's kind of that and or statements. Um, you really can put those in to Google or uh, really, I think it kind of branched off from Google, but we utilize different types of um, tools. There's Career Builder, there's Monster, Indeed, different types of resume um, kind of, I guess, like depositories, I guess, right? You submit your resume out there and you put it out there and you say, hey, I'm ready for something. You can enter in that Boolean search string there and find a ton of candidates based off of the criteria that the job description has. So we go through those um, for the folks that, you know, have their resumes out there. We can contact them that way. Um, another piece of it, again, is going back to that network. Um, if they're, you know, if I know of a job, hopefully I've got five people in mind right now for a position. Um, so I would reach out to them um, just via LinkedIn or texting them, whatever I've got available, <laughs> whatever means I have available. Um, and then I think that the other avenue, um, as I just mentioned, was LinkedIn. Um, a lot of the folks that we find um, that are looking for opportunities or are passive are actually passively looking for opportunities. So um, going to LinkedIn has been a really, really big, um, a, a big builder for us. Um, going out there and contacting people, taking a look at a profile and just saying, okay, this person looks like they would be a pretty good fit, reaching out to them, connecting with them, and then starting up a conversation about opportunities that we have. At that point in time, we start, you know, that partnership, get their resume, and then end up submitting them over, vetting them out for the position and, and making sure that they're going to be good to go. Okay. Now you mentioned LinkedIn. Now we had an episode mm -hmm. a few weeks back uh, talking about leveraging LinkedIn to help you land a job. Now, mm -hmm. when you mention people are passively looking, 
what would you suggest to do under LinkedIn? Because I've seen people who they just discredit LinkedIn altogether. And then there's some people who are mm-hmm. like, oh, I have a full profile with all my skills and, yep. and everything. So what, what advice do you have for our listeners in that case? Absolutely. So the more robust your profile is going to be, um, obviously, the easier it's going to be for a recruiter or for anybody to identify you as a potential candidate. Um, you know, there's also tools that are within your profile or different kind of um, I guess pieces that you can click on and off that say that you're passively looking or maybe you're open to opportunities. If people are passively looking and and in considering potentially looking at different opportunities, you can go ahead and click those um, and select those profile, um, I guess, categories uh, within your LinkedIn. Um, That's going to be something that would be really advantageous to do, especially if you're looking to potentially get into something a little bit, (laughs) a little bit quieter and just kind of poke your head around. Um, and then I also would have to say, um, linking in with people and understanding that that network is there to help you is going to be something that's important. So, um, you know, you want to be selective, obviously, about who you link in with, but you also don't want to put yourself into a little corner where the only people that you can possibly connect with are people that you know. Um, it's always great to start if a recruiter links in with you or if somebody just that you maybe don't know, but you look at their profile and realize that they're a recruiter that's going to be helpful as well, because then you're immediately into their network, whether or not you've met them in person at that time, but you're in their network and you're immediately going to be somebody that they're going to be able to source for and look for when they're trying to identify a candidate. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. That's actually really good advice for all our listeners tuning in there. So make sure to keep your LinkedIn up to date. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we talked about the matchmaking. We talked about resume. We talked about your online profile, but I have a question. I know some people are actually thinking of right now. What is in Mm -hmm. it? for recruiters because it seems like as an IT person, I put up my resume, you find me, you say, hey, I think you're a great match for this company. And then like you said, here's all my resources help you land this job. But Mm -hmm. nothing's free in this world, right? So what's in it? (laughs) So what's in it for the recruiter? So um, basically how the transaction works on that side of it from um, what's in it for the recruiter is it's really making the placement. It's the warm fuzzies of knowing that you found somebody a job. But from a financial standpoint, uh, the teams that you're going to be working with and the companies you're going to be working with, recruiters, account managers, they've built partnerships directly with companies. Um, and the companies are the ones that are essentially paying for the recruiter to find the individual. Um, so the, it can be anything from a permanent placement could be a one-time fee. Some companies do retainers where they um, end up, you know, keeping a, an agency on a retainer to consistently be able to find them people and pipeline candidates to them. And then other side of it is when it's something like a contract position, um, there's also, you know, different, different types of, um, different types of money that comes out from the hourly bill rate that they end up getting over from the client. So it's really funded and, and what recruiters, what's in it for them is, is making that placement. Um, they want to make sure that the placement sticks. They want to make sure that it's a good fit because ultimately, whether you're a recruiter or account manager, this is truly a sales job. So you always want to make sure that the individual and the company are both very, very happy and that it's a good match. So that way it can maintain not only a long partnership with the client and with the candidate, but also it brings it all back to that network, um, making sure that you've got that um, strong partnership with the individuals that you put out so that they are going to be either return business, whether they're looking for another opportunity and you can place them again somewhere else, or if the client needs some more positions. 
Um, so again, what's in it for us is, is really making that match and making everybody happy on the client and candidate side so that we can end up uh, making the money that we need to make um, to, to, you know, really be happy, um, you know, to, to keep going forward. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And I cleared up a lot of things, uh, at least for myself. Now, Jamie, I have a <laughs> follow-up question for you now, because I know sure. for a fact you're a great recruiter, because uh, you've actually placed me in a position. Uh, <laughs> there have been um, recruiters out there, like any other job, where they're not so great. So what would mm-hmm. you say, in your opinion, differentiate somebody who is a strong recruiter to somebody who needs mm-hmm. to improve their skills? So you're going to be seeing, and you hit the nail on the head, I mean, you're going to be seeing in any industry, a lot of different types of folks, people that um, are maybe a little bit more green in their careers, and that can definitely be something that um, can be um, confusing as you're trying to figure out how to be a recruiter, how to talk to people, um, you know, what you can and can't say, you know, you're really dealing with people's jobs. And, and you know, I want to always get it away from that transactional side um, just because of the fact that these are important things to people. It's their career. So some of the things that you should always look for when you are working with a recruiter is what value do they actually place on communication with you, right? Um, Pick up the phone, call them, talk to them, find out what they know about the position, about the opportunity and about the client. Um, tell them what you're really looking for. Um, typically, conversations should always start off with a recruiter giving you a call or sending you an email and saying, hey, let's connect. I'd like to find out what you want, um, where you want to go. Um, a red flag for me is always if a recruiter calls and, say, and says, hey, I have a job for you. Here's the opportunity. What do you think? Um, that kind of makes it more of that, that transactional piece of it. You want that investment and that time investment. Somebody that's going to build out your profile, even if they don't have an opportunity for, for you right then and there. Somebody that can say, hey, I don't have something right now, but I want to I get all of your information for when I do have something down the road. Those are all going to be important things and checkboxes. Um, again, that follow-up and consistently having an open connection with your recruiter and, and that company is going to be very important. The more information they know, uh, the more uh, well-versed they're going to be, and, and it just gives you the confidence that they're actually representing you properly. Okay. Now, Jamie, you mentioned a lot of great points there as well. Uh, so I guess a follow-up question for you would be mm-hmm. when we're talking about the skill set of a recruiter, because you, again, you mentioned it's somewhat of a sales role, but mm-hmm. you're an IT recruiter. So my question for you is how technical do you need to be to be a successful recruiter, uh, whether you're in Phoenix market or any market in the world? That's a great question. So you absolutely have to be a good listener and you have to be willing to learn. Um, those are two things that are intangibles that you, that you have to have from a skill set. If you are not willing to listen to what the individual does and you're just looking at their resume and you're not really absorbing anything, you're not going to make a successful recruiter. Um, you need to be listening and, and able to understand what different positions are, be willing to learn that side of it. From a technical standpoint, no, you're not going to be actually hands-on coding. You're not going to be actually, um, you know, developing different pieces of technology, but you will need to understand how they are developed. Um, so different types of skill, set, skill sets that are going to make somebody successful in this industry, um, it's going to be always willing to learn, always willing to listen. And from a technical standpoint, um, being quick. Um, the biggest thing is, is, you know, getting somebody to market as quickly as possible, getting candidates out to positions. So being able to work efficiently and understand um, the importance of 
having a network and really understanding um, the importance of what a position is. Always being inquisitive, asking questions, and truly understanding how to make partnerships. Those are going to be the main things that you're absolutely going to have to be, you know, the skill sets that you're going to have to have to be a recruiter. Um, so it's a little bit less technical and a little bit more from the soft skill side. Okay. All great stuff. But let me switch it up on you here. Now, we've mm -hmm. been talking about the recruiter side of it. You reaching out to people like me or any IT people and trying to place them in a better position. What mm -hmm. could somebody on my end, the recruitee, do better to make your job easier? I've heard stories where some people just say, I just wish people would reply back to an email saying I'm not interested or don't block my phone number. What advice do you have to the listeners who might be getting contacted by recruiters to help improve their chances of landing a better job? Um, Phoenix is a very, very small IT network. Um, it's a very, very small IT community. Um, burning bridges has been something that we always like to tell any type of person, whether you're a client or a candidate, um, don't ever burn a bridge. Um, always be respectful. You always want to get back to people um, because if a position does come up or, you know, for, you know, if, it's an, if this one isn't a fit for you and maybe something could be down the road, it all comes back around. It really does, especially in Phoenix. Um, you always know somebody that's worked with somebody that's worked with somebody. Um, so I think one of the most important things that you can do as a candidate is, is like you said, respond. Keep that open line of communication um, and be direct. And, and when you take a job and you take a look at it and you say, okay, this is what I feel like I'm going to be a good fit for this role. Here's why. Be articulate in that. Make sure that your recruiter knows that because if there's something that's maybe not on your resume and you're like, oh, you know, this actually looks like it's a great job for me and you're not mentioning it on your resume, but it's in the job description, it, it can become a challenge and the client won't be interested in that. Um, it also opens up and broadens your skill set for other opportunities if it's on your resume. So I would say having a detailed resume is definitely going to be something that, that's going to be <laughs> definitely um, a point for you to have as a, as a candidate. Um, I would also say, again, the communication. And then I think, you know, most importantly is the follow-up with, with recruiters as well. Sometimes we get very, very busy, and sometimes it's difficult for us to get back to everybody. It's not that anybody's ignoring you by any means, but definitely reach out, follow up, and just you know, be polite and ask, hey, what's going on with this? Where are we at? Has anything moved forward? Um, also, the understanding that sometimes it just isn't a fit, whether it's a culture fit or whether it's um, a skill set fit, and understanding that and being receptive to that feedback is going to make you definitely uh, somebody that folks are going to want to continue to work with. Okay. Now, you talked about the skill set aspect of the uh, candidate side, right? Uh, my question mm -hmm. for you would be, do you – scan or test candidates before you pre present them to your client that mm -hmm. way if they say hey i know java and then you show them javascript and they're like oh i know that and they're like no these mm -hmm. are two separate things you're out <laughs> like how do you how do you scan your candidates so we've seen a range of things and this is actually it really depends upon the client and what the client feels comfortable um, typically, if we've got something that's a highly technical position, we've got a lot of different avenues that we can do. There's different types of testing tools that we will utilize. Sometimes the client will actually um, give us some sort of skill set test that they want the candidate to take and we'll issue that out. Um, you know, we really try to not do anything that's going to change the answer. So it's a lot of anything that's written out is going to be what we're, that, what is typically going to be the most successful written out, typed out, anything like that's going to be a lot more successful than if we verbally have to record it and then 
you know, translate that because some of the detail can get lost in that. Um, but we definitely have different types of testing that um, full-on test, different types of exercises. We can also have, um, one of the good things about my company, ProSum, is that we actually have people that are on our bench that are technical um, experts. And they, we have sometimes gotten them on the phone with a candidate to screen them out themselves. So it really just is dependent upon the client and what their expectations are and how thoroughly they want us, or not thoroughly, but how in depth rather they want us to go with the technical screening. So while we aren't actual coders, we can pretty much screen out as much as we possibly can to get somebody, um, you know, that would be pretty spot on from a technical standpoint. Awesome. So it sounds like you guys have all the tools to be successful. Yep. So Jamie. We definitely try. (laughs) (laughs) So this leads into a question I'm sure um, you might get from other people. What Mm -hmm. are some of the challenges being a recruiter? Challenges right now, it's uh, the market. It really, we kind of are... um, our success is really dependent on what the market can is, is holding and bearing right now. So um, AV Tech Council actually just read an article on this. They just released um, an industry impact report just talking about the Phoenix market and how many positions are available. There's over 160,000 right now, um, jobs that are in Phoenix right now. Um, you've got so many options for folks in this market, in Phoenix just in general, that the demand is so high for for consultants that are actually skilled IT people that the challenge for us right now is keeping people you know warm on opportunities um, you know it's a candidate market right now is what we're calling it it really is up to you guys you kind of have the pick of the litter um, of what you really want to do and where you want to go um, so the biggest challenge for us is is having clients understand that side of it and having candidates that um, are willing to stick around enough and have their interest peaked enough from an opportunity to be able to move forward with it. I think, you know, it, it, it'll shift too, because sometimes you've got a client heavy market where they've got the pick of the litter with the candidates too. So right now, um, I would say that it really just is dependent upon the, the economy and where everything's at. And in Phoenix specifically right now, it's a hot market. So it's uh, definitely a challenge trying to identify those qualified candidates. Awesome. Well, Jamie, we are coming to the end of this awesome interview. And again, we are so happy to have you. We always like to ask our guests uh, any advice for our listeners trying to become a recruiter like yourself. My best advice is to get into it early and um, start out at a company that's going to train you. Uh, your training is going to be the most important thing that you're going to take through your career, learning how to really effectively um, be a recruiter and build out your network and, and take advice from folks that are successful in, the, in, in your career path. So um, at it, whether it's at a company or it's a mentor that's somewhere at a different company or somebody that you look up to in that recruiting field, those are going to be the people that you'll lean on and you'll absolutely get the best advice and direction from because they've been there, they've done it, they've been successful. Um, that would definitely be the best advice that I can give. It's definitely helped me with my career. Awesome. And the last question I'm going to ask for you, mm-hmm. What is next for you in 2018? Any goals, conferences, anything you're speaking at? Just any shout outs you want to give to the listeners? 
Um, as far as 2018 goes, I mean, ProSum is really just focused on, um, since we've been in this market for almost three years now, we're really focused on capitalizing on our momentum and, and where we've come from. So I can definitely see our team expanding quite a bit. Our goals, we've always got, you know, quite a few goals um, coming into this year. So we're already halfway through and we've been doing a phenomenal job. But as far as you know, any conferences, we'd love to go to some. We're definitely trying to host a couple different types of mixers ourselves uh, for candidates and clients alike. So that's really been a strong focus of ours. And, uh, you know, we just want to continue the success that we've had so far. All great to hear. And again, super happy to have you on the podcast. This has been one of my favorite episodes. I've actually learned a few things while conducting this interview. So thank you for that. Uh, great. Thanks, Caleb. All right, guys. Well, this is a wrap for People in Tech Podcast. Uh, Thank you, Jamie, for being on the show. And we are out. Peace.